Hi there, guys. This is Liam from the Punks and Pubs. You're going to be listening to me in a second ramble about some shit with someone. This is an advert from the off, just to let you know. But the reason that this is an advert is not because someone's paying me. It's because I've just been happy with the service I've been provided. Merchstore.co.uk are a bunch of guys who have printed my t-shirts for me. The Punks and Pubs t-shirts. Go check them out. And they've been nothing but amazing. The reason that they've been nothing but amazing is because these guys know difficulties of getting your t-shirts printed for a reasonable price they happen to be in bands so they know the process of going to someone and then checking something and then the price just it's just a long drawn out process but these guys have made it really simple for me and the price has been amazing and the quality of the t-shirts are great so go and check them out merchstore.co.uk i can't make you do it but i would definitely recommend that you do it there you go. I'm off. Uh, here's the intro music. I'll talk to you in a second. My name is Liam Bird and this is the Punks in Pubs podcast. Happy Christmas. Hope you're all very jolly and full of Christmas cheer. Uh, I am hungover because I went out and decided to do this recording uh, very last minute. So uh, so apologies for my uh, croaky and very uninfused voice anyway i hope you're having a great run up to the christmas mine's going well christmas time is a great time to be around the people you love um, but sometimes some people aren't fortunate enough to have that um so if you know someone who might be a bit down a bit lonely around this period give them a call or drop them a text and just let them know that you're thinking of them you probably might be listening to this for the first time and go what the fuck am i listening to with this podcast it is a punk podcast but i've spoken about before i've suffered from mental health in the past and this time of year can be quite tough so yeah if you know someone drop them a text give them a call it can mean so much quick update on the new punks and pubs t-shirts they're on sale they're going for 15 pounds each excluding postage and packaging you can order your shirt by emailing punks in pubs that's punks in pubs at gmail.com and we'll sort you out and why not go and give punks and pubs an early christmas gift and give the podcast a rating and review on itunes or spotify or whatever podcast streaming service you use So what audio delight have I bought you for Christmas? Oh, my friends, it is a big one. Episode 29 is me in a hotel bar in Shepherd's Bush with flogging Molly ringmaster Dave King. Dave kindly gave up some of his time to talk to me, even though he was feeling a little under the weather. And heads up, you can hear him chewing on a throat sweet at the start. So if you're kind of sensitive to uh, sensual noises, if that isn't your thing, then maybe skip uh, a couple of minutes into the podcast because it's at the beginning. So what else can you expect? Well, I start by giving Dave his Christmas gift because it can't be Christmas without gifts. Dave reveals that he's creating his own whiskey that should be ready sometime next year or so. We also talk a little bit about our mums. We kind of started talking about our mums and what they did and how they helped us grow and kind of sacrificed a lot for what they were doing uh, both mine and dave's mum were cleaner so we kind of bonded a little bit over that and um, dave talks about moving from ireland to london and then to la and then finding himself becoming an illegal immigrant because of a law change in america that kind of kept him a, a prisoner in america because if he left he would have been uh, not allowed back in for about eight years and during that time his mum came very unwell so dave shares quite a heartbreaking story on the subject matter of course we also talk about flogging molly we talk about punk rock talk about frank turner the warp tour and we also discuss the possibility of this podcast 
going on the Floggy Molly Salty Dog Cruise, which may or may not happen. We'll see. I'll I'll obviously uh, keep you updated on that one. As always, your band plays out the show, and I've done it to myself again. I've picked out a band's name that I just can't pronounce. He's from Buenos Aires in Argentina. He goes underneath the name of Bilodu, I think. He's a great artist. Check him out so you want to stick around. But that's later, and this is now. This is episode 29 of the Christmas special with Floggy Molly's Dave King. I'll talk to you after the interview. Enjoy. His eyes, they closed, and his last breath spoke. He had seen all to be seen A life once full Now an empty vase With the blossoms on his early grave Walk away, me boy Walk away, me boy And by morning we'll be free Wipe that golden tear From your mother, dear And raise what's left of the flag for me Then the rosary beads Count them one, two, three Fell apart as they hit the floor In a garb of black We must pay respect to the colour We're born to mourn Walk away, me boys Walk away, me boys By morning we'll be free Break the golden tear From your mother dear There's what's left of the flag for me We are in a hotel bar. Let's say hotel bar, why not? And in front of me is a, a man who is kindly doing this interview, even though he might be suffering. <laughs> Dave King, how are you doing, bro? How are you doing, brother? I'm yeah. all right. Thanks for doing this, because I do feel a bit bad. Like, no, I, don't be ridiculous. I, as I said, beginning of the tour, and I woke up this morning really, <laughs> like, and that was not me, by the Someone's way. Someone's dead. <laughs> Somebody's dead. Not me. I'm nearly dead, but not quite. But um, no, just um, sore throat, so I thought I'd miss soundcheck, and... You know, but I'm glad you're here now, and we're we're chatting. Well, so am I, and because um, the reason I, I, I kind of pushed this one because I really wanted this to be our Christmas special for the podcast. So, with that in mind, how is it? How's Christmas at your house? Like, what do you do? Is it like a big thing, or do you do kind of chilled out? Nothing really of worth. It all depends where we are. Me and Bridget, if we're not in America with with the family, yeah, we are. You know, in Ireland. Top man, um, thank you so much. We have a we live in an old farmhouse in Ireland, and we just. Literally, just like for, for example, this Christmas, it's just me and her. Yeah, in, in our house. That's it. Well, with Christmas in mind, I have bought you some gifts. Ooh. Um, I know you're you famously a Guinness drinker. I haven't bought you Guinness, but I have bought you beers from my local beer shop <laughs> that they have recommended. Big up St Albans Beer Shop. Really? And they are um, essentially different alternatives to Guinness. So they're all stouts. Oh, um, wow. So feel free to open them now. And I didn't know what Bridget liked, so I bought her a bottle of wine. Because oh. I'm not sure if she's a, a wine drink, a stout drinker, so that's for, that's for Bridget. So this is all Christmassy. Thank you so that's much. That's right, man. Oh, my God. So I'll this tell never you, happened before. Well, we'd like to try different things. So I'll tell you what the beers are, because I've got them written down here. <laughs> so the one that you're opening now, uh, I believe this is a... Put, can I put this down? Yeah, yeah, go down, man. So this is a... I think it's called Mystic Voyage... Yeah. So this is supposedly a peanut butter milk stout. Well, I tell you what, I don't know what you taped it with, but Jesus <laughs> Christ, it's, it's army, army surplus fucking service. That's that's uh, that's my mum's uh, teaching of wrapping. So, so yes, yeah, so that's like um, Mystic Voyage. It's eight point five, so go steady on that one. It got chocolate flavors with sweet fruity nuts and <laughs> a balance of hint of salty peanut. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means, but it's uh. Wow. Good. So this one, it may be small, but it's got a punch. This is 10%. Uh, and it's a... Oh, it looks um, dangerous. It's, um, a Mexican, it's a Mexican stout with a hint of... What's it got here? Mole Imperial. Yeah. It's, it's got supposedly like um, some... Chi- it's got like a chili flavor to it, so... Wow. Our last show was in Mexico City, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, finally, this one, he said, is probably the closest to Guinness out of all of them. This is... Um, Rosewater fruit and a dry finish uh, with a Turkish delight hint. Wow. 6.2. So, yeah. I didn't want to just get you some Guinness because I thought that's been done. So, I thought <laughs> I'd get you some um, some random beers from my beer shop. Wow. Thank you so much. My pleasure, man. And happy Christmas. And happy Christmas to you, too. So We're I actually you... bringing out our own whiskey. Really? Yeah. 
What, what are you in, calling it's, it? It's in. Uh, it's in. I, I can't really say anything about. I, okay. I, I think it's right now. It's called King's Whiskey. It takes two years to uh, to get together. So it, yeah. you know, it's been in the works now for nearly two. So is that working with another brewery? Or it's working with a distillery, distillery. Yeah, yeah. Like, like like a full on. Yeah, I mean. It, it's looking looking pretty good. It's 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 the real deal, you know. It's not like just bringing out whiskey for the sake of bringing out whiskey. I mean, yeah. our name's not even on it, and it's you know, it's just something that we're passionate about. And I don't know. We'll see how it goes. You are, know. And you're going to distill it in Ireland, or America? yeah, it's been dis- no, it's been distilled in Ireland. Oh, great, man! So do you know? Do you have like a date, roughly? Like it's going to no, be a couple of years' no, time, or a couple of years? Yeah, M- maybe a year. But okay. Yeah. Oh, great, man! Uh, I look forward to uh, finding that. <laughs> online this or, or wherever awesome. it is thank you but yeah, so much it's my pleasure man that, that's a bottle of wine I actually quite enjoy so uh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, I, I hope Bridget enjoys it absolutely beautiful thank you so much my pleasure man my pleasure so we'll get away from Christmas now <laughs> and um, it's like Christmas day really isn't it it's just like you kind of talk about Christmas and then you kind of fuck it off after you've opened your gifts and that's it yeah food's ready um, so I want to talk a little bit about like the sound um, that you grew up with you've told stories about coming home your, your mum and dad going to the pub and the piano is there any music that you remember from that when, when people used to come home? Is there any songs that like used to trigger your memory that still trigger your memory? Yeah, you I mean, there's, 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 I mean, my father was a big like you know um, uh, Dubliners uh, Johnny Cash fan, so that yeah. was always at the forefront. But then when my mother and father would get people over to the house, I always remember this one man called Tucker, and he would always sing the Chapel on the Hill uh, about two young lovers getting married. And um, he looked like a turkey when he was singing it. His neck would wobble <laughs> like a turkey. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> hey, keeping the thing going, keeping the thing going. But uh, yeah, it was really, it was really one of those things where I just I would look at him and you know. But everybody had their own song, including myself. I don't know what I used to sing at the time, but but uh, they, they were amazing occasions, you know. I mean, I, I mean, literally, my mother and father. Now, my father died when I was ten, and this is. They were going. They'd go out to the pub on a Saturday night, and I'd be looking after the pig's feet and the and the, and the um, the ribs boiling mm. on a simmer, you know, uh, until they came back. Watch a match of the day, you know, and they'd come home and everybody would have ribs and you know pig's feet. Yeah, and my mother would get the piano, and we'd only got one room in the house really. I mean, and it was tiny. It was it wasn't even. I mean, and everybody sat on the floor. And it was just that atmosphere, it was that vibe of it. Like it was, it was obviously my first shows ever I went to see, you know. But then again, you see, my mother was a, uh, an amazing character in the sense. I mean, it's so bizarre sitting here looking at Bowie. Yeah, for people, obviously this is audio. We've got Bowie to one side and the Who to the, the other. Who, yeah, I mean, I remember like when, when I was a kid, my mother. I was out playing football, and my father had passed away, and, and uh, she called me in. And uh, Bowie was on Top of the Pops doing Starman. Yeah. And she said, look at this. Look at this. And it was... So she had a, a very eclectic um, kind of musical taste. You know what I mean? So do you think she enjoyed the music or did she enjoy Bowie as a, like, a, like a vision? I think both. I think she, she you know, she, she was a music lover. Hmm. You know, and, and like she, she was cleaning houses... When my dad died, she she would she would work in an office building cleaning the office, and then in the daytime she would she would clean uh, at this lady's house called Mrs. Murray, and um, she borrowed the money from Mrs. Murray for me to get a flight to go and do an audition yeah. for Fast Eddie in Motorhead. She always encouraged it, you know what I mean? And it's sad in a way because when I went to London, when I came to London, my days of of, of being with my mother and were gone. Yeah, really, you know. And do you think she knew that? Yeah, yeah, I think I think she did. She, you know, she she was. Um, it's come full circle, though. You know, I mean, it's like like the, new, the last album, we, the album we brought out, "Life Is Good." The reason why it's called "Life Is Good" is it's about my mother in the sense that she had a really really hard life, mm. and and uh, but on her deathbed, she said to me and Bridget, she do us a favor, you know, and she's in hospital on her deathbed, and she knows she's dying, and she's like, I don't want to die. But she was she was dying. She said, but do me a favor. She said, enjoy yourselves, because I did. You know, life yeah. is good. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so it's come full circle. You know, um, an amazing character. Mm. Amazing character. When you're talking about it, it kind of reminds me, my mum my was also a cleaner, and um, mm. I come from a background of, of poverty and living in a council estate. Yeah. And um, 
my mum's my I always ask my mum like are you happy like always constantly asking her like are you happy now I live I live in London and my mum now still lives in the same town where I grew up and in the same house and uh, she's always like yeah I'm fine mm. and I think even though our mums have, have worked hard and they've seen that like their happiness is, is the fact that they've seen their sons mm-hmm. do well and it's kind of that selfishly I can't see how her life has been happy but she does and I, I don't yeah. know how, how you feel about that yeah she was an amazing woman in the sense that she used to hang out with some incredible people that she never even thought about like for a second you know like people like Brendan Bean and Patrick Cavanagh and writers from Ireland that she would like my house now is full of momentums that pa- uh, Brendan Bean gave to her Oh, when wow. they were younger yeah. even the pint glass that they drank out of on the canal one night you know um, but she just yeah I mean she was you know and my, you know, my dad was it was our second marriage and you know her first husband died when he was very young and she met my dad and then my dad died 10 years after that you know so I mean she, she had a really tough life but like as you said about your own mom there, there was a spirit about them that you know enjoyed what the offspring gave, probably, you know what I mean? Yeah. What their children brought to them, and it's, it's, it's amazing. She said, make this pain disappear And lead me to this life you one day fear Don't make me belong Where I don't belong Let's just about music in the UK and America like punk was kicking off in, in, in the mid 70s yeah. and um, in Ireland it would seem that in the north um, there was Stiff Little Finger and the undertones what about in, in, in Ireland were you seeing people in leather jackets yeah yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah you know you'd, there was a great punk band called The Blades I don't, I don't know if you heard them they were, they were really really good I thought they were going to be huge um, they were big in Ireland at the time but um, yeah, I mean, like you know, it's it's so great because like Stiff Little Fingers actually playing was on our, in our. We have a cruise now, yeah, and they're playing on the cruise this yeah. year um, or next year. Jake just did a load of tours, or it's Jake Burns with the Dropkicks, uh, and Jake opened up the shows for like three tours, and uh, just listened to those songs. Yeah, and it's it go, I hate to do this, but going back to my mother. She got me a, 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 a CD player. Uh, not a CD player, a cassette player. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <CDs. laughs> that's, that's way mud. But the first song I ever played on it was A Turn of Ulcer. Oh, really? Yeah. Crazy. I've never, I always remember walking to school by the river and listening to that song going, Jesus Christ, this is incredible. Yeah. You know, you know. to me, punk was, you know, because of my father as well, like the Dubliners. Listening to the Dubliners, to me, was insanely punk. You know, as a kid, it was like they were singing about... And also their, their, their sense of humour as well was incredible. You know, and I think that's something that inherently... I would like to think is, is kind of an Irish thing, whether it's James Joyce or whatever. There's always a sense of humour about the sadness and the madness. I think I've inherited that from from people like that, you know, like uh, the intense Dubliners to me were ugh, the dogs bollocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they really. I mean, and it was such a pleasure. Myself and Bridget got to record his last ever recording session with Ronnie Drew, oh, okay. the singer from the Dubliners. I'm a tanner for a marrow, I'm a comfortable-minded. The fairies in the family which can blame the Cisco kid. I'd be langers in the morning, me langers need a patch. 
Oh, Jesus, there's con man. I hope you win the match. The uncle had a wolfhound that never had to be. But Harry Levin snatched him down on Eden Key. Now I have me primo and me scapulars of blue for helping the black babies and Dolly Fossett too. He actually had chemotherapy that morning. Uh, and and he's like, and he talked like this, you know. He was very deep, double and God. He's like, listen, he says, uh, if if I fucked up at all today, just give me a call and I'll come back tomorrow and I'll finish it <laughs> off. I was like, Jay, you're mad. I mean, this is insane. I mean, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, but I was all over the spectrum. I was, I mean, to me, Freddie Mercury was a huge punk, you know, in the sense that I lived in a British army barracks called Beggar's Bush. It was the last British army barracks left in Ireland and my father was the first civilian to move into it and it was really grey and it's, it even had the gun ports on the, on the walls outside where the guns would be yeah yeah, you know and, and people like Bowie and, and Mercury and, and, and uh, Mark Bolan and, and Phil Linnett people like that brought so much colour into that you know we were, we were living the punk rock lifestyle without actually <laughs> yeah without knowing it you know without, yeah you know but yeah, but I mean, like, but but yeah, there was there was there was a few bands in, in, in Dublin that time. I mean, everybody had to come here, you know, to London. Everybody had to. I mean, even I had to come to London, you know. I'd never been on a plane before when I came to London. But there was a good music. I, m- I remember I, I seen you two in a, in a dandelion market, which was this like little, like weekend market that would would pop up, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, I seen them there. I'm not saying they're punk rock, but I mean they they definitely brought something to the spectrum. Uh, in Dublin at the time, and mm. and 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 as, and as a Dubliner, as an Irishman, you know, not the proudness. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah, I mean, for for a small country that Ireland is, like the, the amount of talent and and artistic um, people is is given to the world. It's, mm. it's phenom- phenomenal, and it's something yeah. that I think every country should be proud of. If, mm. if you've got like artists that you can give to the world, it's it's, yeah. amazing, it's an amazing feel. Yeah, it's it's funny like going to like as I said to you there earlier on like our last gig was in Mexico City and going to places like that and Chile and and and, and uh, Colombia and Brazil and Japan and you know and how why what how, I I don't get it you know it's just I well, I do get it I think it's I think it's a celebration definitely it's you definitely. know it's just a celebration of life and and. and uh, Taking with the nooks and the ups and the ups and downs of life, and and I think that transforms every you know society. I think that's one of the beauties of your band, Flogging Molly, is the fact of it's it's music for death, it's music for life, it's music for birthdays. Yeah. Wed- like I generally believe that it's weddings, birthdays, funerals. You can always play Flogging Molly, we've, and you'll always find a way. Yeah, we, I, I think one of the most incredible, moving um, experiences I've ever witnessed was a family came to one of our shows in America and they showed me a picture of their uh, their son's tombstone and I had our lyrics on his tombstone oh okay and uh, just stopped me in my tracks it was like he was in the army and, and, uh, and he was killed in battle yeah uh, and uh, and he wanted our lyrics if anything ever happened to him on his tombstone and and, if, and that's happened a few times so it's it, it is one of those things that it is a celebration of life, but when it comes to that, that that takes you back. Mm. That's Jesus Christ. That's I never taught in a gazillion years. I mean, I, I I was probably the worst student at grammar in school, you know, and and my lyrics are on somebody's resting place. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, that, that must be so much to take in. Kind of fast forwarding from um, going to London and then your next flight was to LA mm. how did that come about how did you end up in LA then and then you you decided that you were going to stick out music while doing side jobs mm. how was that transition how was it from going in in the band that you were with, with um, Fast Eddie and then going to LA and then, then trying to go out alone mm. and then it not really working out mm. exactly how you probably planned it out to be yeah, it was it was um, well it was, it was because of Fastway. Uh, I left Fastway, and I was in a little band in, in Ireland um, called QED, and it was completely different from Fastway. It was we were about songs, yeah. Or we we tried to be about songs, 
we got publishing with Virgin. Things were starting to go well, but then it kind of leveled out into nothing. And, and so I got a phone call from um, a guy called John Kalodner in, in um, L.A. He was with Geffen Records, and he wanted to build a band around me. I flew over, met a lot of people, uh, got a band together, um, and went on tour in Japan. <laughs> and uh, it didn't work out. But there was no way I could go back to Ireland. And even though, as you said, I was, I was driving trucks, I was painting houses, I was cleaning venues that I would uh, play in. Yeah. You know, I mean, I went from tour being on tour with ACDC and Iron Maiden to cleaning toilets. It, it was fantastic. <laughs> it really was. It really was fantastic. I needed to do that, you know. I needed to really find out who I was. Because yeah. all these years, I didn't know who I was. I was... I liked all types of music. And that was my... my it, it, that was my problem, really, was... I, I had no limits on what I liked. I went from Beethoven to to Bowie, to the Sex Pistols, and Clash, you know, everything. Um, and I needed to find myself. So I started playing it on my own, an acoustic, uh, in a pub. And, uh, and the first song I wrote was a song called Selfish Man. Because I knew I had to become a selfish man too, if I wanted to really do what I wanted to do. And then, as they say, the rest is history. So that pub, I'm guessing, is Molly Malone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a bar now that's famous, obviously, for honing your skills, I suppose, as an artist and as yeah. a band uh, in, that, in that place. So how did, how did you meet everyone else? Obviously, I, I've heard a story where you met your wife and she came in and she watched you and she told you, nah, you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, how did uh, the rest of the guys get involved? Well, that's, that's how it all... I mean, that's, that's the way it was so organic like that, mm. you know? I remember me and Bridget were rehearsing with Nathan in Santa Monica and I was on my way back home and I stopped into Molly Malone's have a, a pint and this guy walked up to me and he goes he says are you looking for an accordion player I says you know what we, we are he says well I have a friend of mine here he's really here right now and he'd, he'd love to talk to you and I went over to him and it was Matt you know and I sat down and I talked with Matt and he'd been only playing the accordion for six months and I said to him at the end of the night he says do you want to join the band he goes what are you talking about he says You've never even heard me play. I said I don't mean to. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just the way we are. It's just we're not we're not going ever going to be the greatest musicians in the world. That's not the point. But I, I think you, you, you'd be a huge part of the energy of about what we're trying to create. It just happened like that. You yeah. Know? Just, when you were playing those shows uh, for forty dollars and two drinks, mm. um, was there a moment where she just looked around and went, "This is it. Like this is this is we, we're going to go with this. And we're going to roll with it, and we're just going to we're going to fucking do well." Like, can you remember that moment? And when was yeah. it? Was it at Molly's, or was it when no, you were touring? Or? No, it, it was. It was when we were rehearsing, actually, okay. in the rehearsal room. I, I don't know what song we were playing. I, it, it wasn't a, a crunching, bone crunching song. It, it was. I think it was a very mellow song. Could have been World Alive. I'm not quite sure, but um, I remember standing there and looking around and going, "Fucking hell! There's, there's something in this room." I've never experienced before. I wait for you to light from blue. There's nothing more a man could do. Don't get your bollocks so twist. Settle down, don't take a fit. You drank with demons straight from hell. They almost nearly won as well. You wiped the floor with victory. The puked until you fell asleep. <laughs>
did the idea of mixing Celtic music with punk like was that something you always had in your back of your mind is it like I want to give that a go or is it just something like you said like organically just happened yeah. I think what happened I think the main thing that happened with me was that um, I, I was in America legally yeah. I had a, an L1 visa and but what happened was the law changed and I didn't know about it so one day I was legal and literally the next day I was illegal yeah. and I couldn't leave my mother took a stroke um, and I didn't see her for eight years. I couldn't leave. If I'd have left, I would have never gotten back into the country again. And the band were starting to kick off. And I think that was a big part of it. A big part of it was if I can't go back home, I'll bring where I'm about now to the rest of the world. You know, And a lot of that was from being back home. But I couldn't go back. So it, it became that type of angst and and uh you know and I once once I heard like you know, once I heard fiddle once I heard you know I had these I had several songs that you know were just all about me and what I was doing blah 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 and then when I heard fiddles on it and stuff like that it started to take shape hmm. you know and people like you know the pogues and and the dubliners as I said mentioned earlier on they gave me a sense of euphoric I was very euphoric when I'd listen to these bands in America hmm. You know, and and um, and I wanted to take that to the next generation. I wanted to take the people that hadn't heard the Pogues or hadn't heard the Dubliners or hadn't heard, you know, the Chieftains or whoever. You know, I think being in a band, you shouldn't be afraid of your influences. You know, you shouldn't be afraid to, you know, go. Um, you know what? I love that, and I'm going to take to somewhere else. You know, when when you were you playing and um, you realised, okay, we've got our sound, and then you left LA to start playing shows. Were any part of you a bit worried about playing in shows like Philadelphia, New York, Boston, whereabouts? They had a really big Irish community, and mm. you're going there with your own take on the the, the mm. Celtic music. Was any mm. of that like? Did you ever feel any nerves going? Oh, I, like these guys, I hope they fucking accept it. Or no. is it like fuck you? We're doing what we're doing. No, no, ne- never. The only place I've ever felt that is, is Dublin. Yeah, <laughs> it's going back there. You know. Um, like I was on the phone two days ago with MCD, the promoters over there, just losing my mind. You know, like, um, I, it's kind of like, and I, th- I think I've actually said it from stage in Dublin, where why do I worry so much about playing here? You already get it. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's like, you know, but but no, I don't. I really, really don't. I mean, I love. I mean, I remember the first time when we started really tour in earnest was the Warp tour the punk rock tour which unfortunately just had its last year this year but we used to go on the warp tour and i remember i'd watch bands on the warp tour going what the fuck are we going to do <laughs> and literally this is no word of a lie we would walk on stage and the crowd would look at us and they'd see fiddles and accordions and mandolins and banjos and they'd be like what what's going on here and then after two songs they'd all start looking at each other and then they just went berserk, you know. Yeah. And I knew we could do it. I knew we could. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, as you know yourself, I mean, you know, punk to me is anything. Yeah. You know, it's not a haircut. It's not a hairstyle or a jacket. or It's, you know, it's passion, you know. And, and, and that's what we had in, in abundance. Yeah. You know, you know, as Beethoven said, a mistake is one thing, but the lack of passion is unforgivable. You know, so <laughs> who knew Beethoven would get us a shout out <laughs> on a punk podcast, eh? came out on Side One Dummy 
Yeah. And then fast forward a little bit, Drunken Lullabies. And I, for me, I want to talk a little bit about Drunken Lullabies because it's one of my favorite albums personally. So selfishly, we're going to talk about it. And it's also a memory that I always have about seeing you guys at Roxy. I'm originally from Nottingham, so 2004. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. playing Roxy. Yeah. And I can remember hearing Drunken Lullabies for the first time live. And I've never seen Roxy fucking bounce and dance in the way that I've ever seen any other gig at Roxy. And I've always wondered, and whenever I hear it now, it makes a smile on my face. And when I hear it tonight, I'm going to be beaming. So, like, for you, for someone who's played it so much and so many times, do you still get a feel of, like, this is just a fucking good song and people yeah. just love it? Yeah, I, I think... And what, what's great about the song to me is that when I wrote it, um, Ireland was still in pretty much the doldrums in mm. the sense of, you know, between Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland and, and England, um, there was still that certain energy of, you know, when are we ever going to do fucking anything about this, you know? And it's actually kind of come to fruition, you know? And I, I really hope it stays that way. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that, like, Ireland, Northern Ireland and, and Republic of Ireland, England, have this relationship now together that I've always wanted as a kid yeah. you know whether it's because I was born in the British Army barracks I don't know you know but I definitely wanted you know something positive from it and like not a lot of people know but I mean like when me and Bridget were, were getting the, the, the band together I mean like three of the guys in the band were from London you know, and they fucking love playing this shit. You know, yeah. you know, they had another band at the time as well, so <laughs> off they went. But, but no, I mean, it's like that was that was the whole point of the music. You know, to, to like and drunken lullabies definitely. It's a sense of accomplishment. You know, not just for me personally, but f- for the country that I love and and, and the people that I love, and and it, it means a lot to me. You know, I don't want to get too political, but I you, you, you spoke about how you hope. The unity continues, but now with Brexit is happening, mm, mm. something that never got—I'm not sure if you knew—but during the the Brexit debates, Ireland would never have spoken about in mm. the sense of for the like the border or anything like that. I don't think they really realised at the time. To no, you. no, no one spoke about it. But now this is like the border is the main thing that's going on—the debate mm. about Brexit mm. because we we as a as two countries we fought so hard to to bring peace. Mm. Are you fearful now that the fact that Britain are kind of pulling away from Europe and kind of becoming a lot more yeah. inwards? Can you see trouble starting again, or do you think that's just, that's completely in the um, past now? I really hope. I mean, it's, to me, I mean, it, 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 it was really sad. I mean, the world itself, I mean, as you said, let's not get too political, but I mean, when you look at Brexit and Trump, um, Hungary, Brazil... We were just in Brazil there a few weeks ago, yeah. and, and the whole atmosphere in the country before the election was terrifying. You know, if you look across Europe, it, yeah. it's, it's scary times. It is scary times, and and you know, and, and what's ironic about it is Ireland is probably one of the most liberal countries in the world right now. Yeah, you know, I mean, for a country that I grew up in, like that, literally up till nineteen ninety four was illegal to be gay, mm. and now we're the first country to vote in rights for for all gay lesbian community. You know, a, a abortion rights. Of, I mean, it's like it's changed so much, and and I, I can't. I mean, I think obviously for the better, but everybody else seems to be closing in. They're closing the doors. They're like, yeah. you know, and yeah, it's scary because I don't know. You you know, you, you drive around the city and you see so many different nationalities. It's like Ireland as well. Now we see so many different kind of people, and it, to me, it warms my heart. And I just hope it, it doesn't c- close people's minds, yeah. you know, yeah. about how small... Because from traveling all over the world, the only thing that's big about this world is jet lag, <laughs> you know, because it's not really that big. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's... And, yeah, I just, I hope, you know... Not, and not just Brexit and Northern Ireland and the border and all that, but just the whole attitude of, of the countries. I hope... Because I felt in the last few years such a, a connection with England and being, you know, proud to have gone through those changes, you know. And, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, personally, obviously, I, I hope that doesn't change. Let's talk a little Frank Turner. Because what? Frank Turner. Let's talk Frank yeah. Turner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you took Frank Turner on his first major UK tour. Yeah. Frank now is just a fucking... He's killing it. Yeah. Um, 
what did you see in Frank? Like, what was it for you that you saw in Frank and gone, I'm going to take you to America and see how you do? Well, me, me and Bridge were, I'll never forget it, we were sitting on the tour bus one night and uh, we were playing music and uh, she played Frank Turner and I went, oh, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And, and she's like, this guy called Frank Turner. I says, oh, we fucking got to get him out on tour. He's fucking amazing. And it was the Maggie Thatcher song at the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, uh, but no, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a fucking legend, man. He's, he's a great songwriter. You know, they're great people, great band, you know, great, you know, just, as I said, because we're so comfortable in our shoes, we, we, we want to bring out whoever we can. Yeah. If we can help anybody in any way, oh my God, absolutely, especially people like Frank Turner, you know, and then Frank brought us back to play the O2 Arena here when he was killing it, you know, yeah. and, and still is. Um, so it's like we just and he's doing the cruise again this next year he's a fucking genius songwriter well I kind of want to touch on the comparisons between both of you because you're both quite open and willing to put your heart in your sleeve and really open yourself up to your audience I mean for you um, you spoke about um, being exiled in America and the fact that your mum uh, was ill and, and you, you, you made a song uh, sorry you, you wrote a song The Sun Never Shines oh, yeah, yeah. Um, on a Closed Doors like can't sing that anymore, by the way. No, no, I don't think I can. But that's what I was going to ask you. Like, how do you? Like, you've written something so personal, mm. and it must take an effect on you when you sing something like yeah. that, where it's so close to yeah. you. I mean, like Frank did his um, Queen for a Day about his best mm. friend dying from cancer. I mean, yeah. why, why put yourself through that? As I said, I didn't see my mother for eight years, and when I did, I, uh, I went down to her flat. I got home, and I was, I was. I mean, to me, that was still my house. Living in and it was a council flat in, in, in George Reynolds Flats in, in, in Dublin, in Irish Town, and I knocked on the door, and she didn't know who I was. She said hello. I said hey, it's me. And she goes who who are you? I'm like I'm your son, Dave. And then she just stopped and went oh. Yeah. Was that heartbreak? That oh my heartbreak god! I mean Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah, you, you always wonder whether you make the right decisions in life, and, and uh, you know I don't know if we do or, or or whatever, but you know she was one of the reasons why I left because she encouraged me to do that, mm. you know. But at the same time, you know, I didn't go home for eight years, you know. That was that mistake. Was was I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if if I did go back. Put it that way. Yeah. You know, so there and, is, and you know that's not what your mum would have wanted. No, no. I mean, there is sacrifice in life. Yeah. You know, you and sometimes you have to make these decisions that, you know, they don't seem to warrant it at the time. But I think looking back in it, you know, I think she would have been really, you know, she always told me I sang like a girl as well. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like your mum to so put you. Fuck in your you, place, you, ma. <laughs> <laughs> Crushed beneath her wave like a ship I could not reach the shore But I'll just dance it on the devil's dance floor Well, sweet a little more, little more And there we go, sweet a little more Security. Mother been a drunk and her father was obscurity. Nothing ever came from a life that was a simple one. Pull yourself together, girl, and have a little fun. Well, she took me by the hand, I could see she was a furry one. Her legs ran all the way up to heaven and past Avalon. Tell me something, girl, what it is you have in store? She said, Come with me now, I'm the devil's dance floor. mentioned the cruise a couple of times how the fuck did you start a cruise like uh, gig like, it, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's such a fantastic idea for me 
the idea of being on a boat for a few days is, is I'm, I'm not the greatest on water, so it's a bit terrifying. I but if I was ever going to do it, I would probably do it just for just for that yeah, show. No, you're, so. you're, I mean, I'm not, I'm the same. I mean, I'm not. I, you know, but but you don't even know you're on a boat. Plus, when you're drinking, you don't even know you're on a boat. You know, <laughs> you're already wobbly. So yeah, you're yeah. already wobbly. So it's like, but no, it's been absolutely amazing, and already it's almost half. We put the sh- tickets on sale last week. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, it's almost half sold out right now already. Really? Um, but it's we've got a few more bands that we have to get together to do it. But Frank, Frank is on board. Uh, Stiff fingers are on board. You know, uh, we we got to you know it, it's getting there. But it, it's just one of those things that it kind of just makes you forget about bullshit. Yeah. You know, you're on a boat, free bar, free food, um, and you just listen to great bands, yeah. you know, whether it be from the punk or karaoke to whatever, you know, people getting up and singing. And, and it's a great... I dress up as a captain and I walk on the <laughs> ship. Uh, but, uh, no, it's it's a... It's something I never thought we'd ever do, but we've been talking about it for a while, you know. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, we, we, we kind of are a band of the seas, you know. Yeah. So why not fucking take it onto the seas and, 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 and have a celebration? And it really has been. It's been an absolute blast. Oh, amazing. I mean, if you ever need a podcast, we're here. So uh, yeah. uh, whenever you there want to. There you it. go. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad idea, man. Hey, I'm, I'm available, mate. Just, just let me know and I'll, uh, that, I'll be on the boat. That could be an, uh, seriously a great idea. Yeah. Fine. Done. Let's, <laughs> Let's have we, a chat. After. We need to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. man. I'll, I'll be more than happy to do that. That sounds a great idea. So getting back to the band, the last album that you put out, Life Is Good, you had a six-year like break between the last studio oh, album. Wasn't a break. Well, I mean, you were touring, <laughs> but I mean, before you put out another like uh, another album. Hmm. Looking forward, are we going to be waiting another six no. years? No, 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 no. It's already in the works, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm it's hard. You, you can't, when you're in a band like Flogmall, you can't write on the road. It's impossible. The yeah. lifestyle just does not lend itself to. Oh, look! I've got this idea for a song. It doesn't lend itself that way. Um, but like, my phone is absolutely packed with ideas. So when I go home and have a decent amount of time off, I sit down at my table and and I go, Oh, all right. So do you, do you like bullet point ideas? Yeah, 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 yeah. all the time. And then I go home and I'll, I'll work on that. Uh, on the road, it's, it's, it's tough, yeah. you know. I mean, we've been on the road for... I mean, if you'd have told us that we would be doing this after all these years, it's just ridiculous, you know. So we have our way of handling the madness, kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and, and coping with it and, and doing the best that we can. Um but yeah because we all come from such different backgrounds and you know everybody's got families you know uh, it's you've got to do things where and I think you get the best out when you do it like that it's not we don't do it for the sense of just doing it hmm. you know oh listen we need to get a new song out here dude. no it's it's not it's it's we need to really work at it and, and be it the best that we can I mean you know we're very very you know, a lot of people would look at Flogamolly and would would say, "Oh yeah, you know, you know, seven drunken fuckers up on stage." You know, just you know, it's not it's not that. There's a lot more to it than that. You know, and we know that, and we that's what we believe in. You know, um, we move ourselves. It, it just sounds right, but we move ourselves before we try to move anybody else. You know, if we're not in a room crying or laughing, well, then nobody else is. I think we're going to end it there. I'm going to let you save your voice. But Dave, thank you so much, man, <laughs> oh, for your time. It's this is an absolute pleasure. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad. And I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I just, you know, yeah, I woke up yesterday morning with a sore throat and I have a bit one now, but, but, uh, and I just brushed off sound check and I complete, I'm, I'm so sorry. No, no, but I'm, you know, but I tell you what, I'm so, I'm so glad that we did this because this has been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's, no, it's been my pleasure. Trust you me. Know. You're on my list of, I have a bucket list of people I want to interview and you're on there. Oh. So I can now take that off, Dave. But uh, <laughs> seriously, I, I've loved flog, Flogging Molly since I was a kid. It reminds me, like I said, it reminds me of good times, bad times and, and just, uh, you're, just a, you're just a celebration of music and so thanks. Man. Yeah, I, really I mean, enjoyed it. I'm glad. It, it, it makes it, you know, it, it does make it worthwhile when you talk to people like yourself and stuff like that who obviously do love what we do and it's, you know, sometimes 
you kind of, you know, it's nice just to be around people like yourself to, you know, and, and you know, as you, I said, like about the, the, the crews, like, I mean, it would be amazing to have you to have an, uh, 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 go from, broadcast from there. Happy to. Happy we, to. we should really, really talk about that. Yeah, man, happy to. I think it's a great idea. Booked in. <laughs> right, <laughs> Dave, I'm going to let you go, man. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so and, much. Uh, An absolute yeah. pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much to Dave for giving up his time to talk to me. We will see if Punks and Pubs makes it onto the deck of the Salty Dog Cruise come November. I will keep my fingers crossed and I will keep you updated. Thank you to Steve Burke for audio assistance. Thank you to you for listening to this podcast for throughout 2018. It's grown so well. I'm so proud of me and you for how well it's been doing. So thank you. But let's not stop there. Next 2019, I've got some massive plans, but I need your help to be able to do this. Go and support the podcast by getting a t-shirt. They're £15. Email punksinpubs at gmail.com. If you don't have the money, that's fine. How about you do me a solid and go and rate and review. It doesn't cost you anything and it'll only take a moment of your time, but it's so valuable to the podcast. Follow the podcast on all the socials at punksinpubs and all that jazz. Playing out the last punks and pubs of 2018 is a man from Buenos Aires in Argentina. His name is Billy O'Doul or Billy O'Doul. I'm not not sure because I can't fucking say names because I'm an idiot. Anyway, this track is called Punk Girlfriend and that's it for me for 2018. If you're going to a gig this festival period, enjoy yourself. But remember, if you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up. Happy Christmas and I'll see you in 2019. Bye-bye. I want you, and you stay with me. I'm looking for you, and you stay with me. My punk girlfriend, fighting together until the end. My punk girlfriend, fighting together until the end. I want you, and you stay with me I'm looking for you, and you stay with me My punk girlfriend Fighting together until the end My punk girlfriend Fighting together until the end Girlfriend Fighting together Until the end My punk girlfriend Fighting together Until the end